Blog Talk Radio. share conversations with the leading designers, builders, owners, representatives, key consultants, and more. Today, I am pleased to welcome Joe Hollier, a cyber risk insurance specialist with Alliance Insurance. It's nearly impossible these days to read a newspaper or turn on the television or connect to the internet without encountering some type of news about a cyber attack that ends up costing millions of dollars and causing untold headaches at best and nightmare scenarios at worst for all involved. It's even happening within within the yachting industry. Yacht brokers and yacht managers have had their emails and bank accounts hacked, as have yacht owners. All of this begs a pretty important question. Who is responsible for cybersecurity when it comes to your super yacht? That in turn begs additional questions, such as how to create a cyber strategy and follow it, plus how to overcome the challenges of finding cyber insurance all of which Joe and I are about to discuss. So, Joe, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Diane. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. I'm uh, just coming off a Mardi Gras Carnival holiday, so it's been uh, quite a topsy-turvy week, but getting grounded again and ready to get back to work. <laughs> good, good. It's good to take a break like that every now and then, that's for sure, especially in your business because it's so serious. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. It's That's a great point, and it's something that I have to constantly remind myself is that, and, and, and touching on one of the points you made earlier about just the understanding of cyber, and it's an ongoing conversation, but it's such, it tends to be such a serious topic that I try to find uh, different uh, ways to approach it in a simpler, just more understandable, absorbable way. Um, right. And, and it's, uh, and, you know, because it could, it could definitely get take on too serious of a tone. Right, right, absolutely. Well, let's start the conversation on a serious note, actually, because it, it is a, a pretty heavy topic, but it, it's something that I think we really do need to discuss, too, and make people a little more cognizant of. I think... If you talk to anybody in the street, you talk to anybody at a marina, you talk to anybody in the yachting industry, everybody is aware of cybersecurity in their daily life. They know to create strong passwords, they know to use secure connections when doing financial transactions, things of that that nature. But there seems to be a disconnect when it comes to cyber awareness and cyber risks aboard private yachts. And I've noticed that. I know the other people in the industry have noticed that. I know you've, you've seen it, too, on your and so why do you think that is? I think you have to look at it in a couple of different ways. One is, you know, there's awareness and there's a strong uh, push to make folks aware of cyber threats. But on the flip side of that, you have to look at resilience. So really what I, the way I, I kind of visualize it is you're looking at awareness versus resilience. You know, most people don't actually understand that human error is the, is the root of most successful hack attacks. So, and part of that is, you know, just because we have an awareness or we're aware that something exists or crews are aware that there are cyber threats that exist, how we act upon that awareness 
or, you know, or do our habits become passive without an accountability plan in place is really the difference maker. I think that's really where you see the disconnect between, you know, being aware that something's there and what's really the contingency plan or what's really the proactive plan to, to be resilient against these attacks. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think people may get comfortable or, or complacent in just the awareness aspect of it, but awareness isn't enough. Right, right. You know, that brings me to my next question. You talked about being proactive. The the issue that I've seen, I've been at Superyacht industry conferences where there have been owners, representatives, I'd say charter brokers, um, yacht managers, others as well, who have shared their experiences and their clients' experiences with cyber attacks. And some of these attacks have resulted in thousands, if not millions of dollars getting diverted to fraudulent bank accounts. The problem I've seen is that at these very same conferences, finger pointing went on. So the builders were saying, well, it's the project manager's job to hire the specialist. And then the project managers and the captains alternately are saying it's the electronics company's job, or if the owner had a semi-custom build, it was a semi-custom builder's job to build it into the boat. And then the electronics specialist sometimes say it's the client's responsibility. So everybody's pointing fingers at, at everybody else, and it doesn't seem that anybody wants to take the accountability. In my view, I say they're all right and they're all wrong. I think it's everybody's job. But, you know, what's your opinion from where you sit? I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think as long as you have the finger-pointing aspect of that on a vessel in any organization, for that matter, you're going to maintain that aspect of vulnerability. You have to look at it as everybody's job um, initially, and and that's that's going to be a theme. So, what does that mean? How does that translate? Okay, so if it's everybody's job and nobody's job at the same time, it has to be a team effort. You know, this isn't a one-person fix. This isn't a one-person responsibility. Now, with that being said, it starts at the top tier. So it starts with your owner or your you know your owner of the business. That person has to ensure security, security awareness uh, best practices are being implemented throughout the organization. So the most effective training that an owner can do is to train employees uh, about the common attacks and implement proactive training. Um, and, you know, this can be done in a variety of ways. There's a variety of ways that these, these training programs can go where you're, you're teaching vulnerability assessment, uh, video training, phishing emails to cyber threats. Um, and then building a strong response plan. But it's everybody's job, but everybody doesn't know their job until their job and responsibility has been explained to them or a a strategic plan has been put in place that describes and really truly defines, clearly defines what their responsibilities are. You know, you you can't put the onus on one person to be conscientious and aware of ongoing cyber attacks because one person is not going to be able to effectively maneuver through that. Um, so you really have to have everybody on board on, on the same page. And that really starts with the top, creating a plan, but then delegating that plan down so that everybody understands their responsibility, how they, how they can react and or be proactive in preventing cyber uh, threats from getting larger or, or more severe. And then if it does get through, What's the response plan? Where do you go from there? Who is in charge of um, notifications and making sure that protocol is followed if an attack takes place? Because, you know, you and I know these things happen at a very quick pace when they do happen. So it's having having a plan that involves 
all hands on deck, um, really is truly the most effective way to do this. It can't be put on one person. Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. Really good point. I think uh, there have been there have been cases where owners have assumed and captains have assumed that the issue is a a crew member clicking on a link in an email, and I don't think it's that simple, especially these days. I think it's it's uh, something more insidious in some cases that there are hackers who are getting into the system unbeknownst to the staff and then all of a sudden money gets diverted and then nobody knows what to do because there isn't a plan in place for that kind of scenario. There was only a a so-called plan in place of uh, don't click on an email link that from somebody who you don't know, in other words. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point, Diane, because what you're looking at there, yeah, you might have one person who might be, you know, specifically responsible for something getting in or a hacker getting into the system, but on the same token, there has to be, you know, what got you to that point? You know, what got, has there been enough compliance regulating or enough, when I say compliance regulating, is there somebody who's been delegated to be put in charge to make sure on an ongoing basis your staff is being uh, checked or your staff is, is being educated on the ongoing threats of cyber? Because here's the, here's the real tricky dark part about cyber. It's, it's ever evolving. You know, what we know today as, as a primary uh, issue or concern or threat tactic could change next week in terms of the severity of something else that might come along. So, you know, yeah, you might have one crew member who clicks on an email, but was that person educated by the right team of people that brought him to that point where clicking on that email was okay? Or, or if he was properly cha- trained, he might have noticed the nuances of what's a real email and what's a not not a real email or something that be, might be made or created to look as if it was a real email from uh, um, you know management for instance. So mm-hmm, it's right. it's yes, it could be one person that ultimately uh, allows a hacker in, but it takes a team to really strategize and, and a team effort and a plan to really strategize and, and be effective at keeping those threats uh, at bay. For instance, you mm-hmm. know. Right, right. So the the good news is there are some yachts where there's a, a chief technical officer and they're really being very proactive in staying on top of uh, security software and uh, scanning the computers, making sure everybody is doing the right thing as far as visiting the Internet, et cetera. Um, even yachts where there isn't a formal assigned role, people are doing the best they can in terms of being smart. So let's say we have a scenario where Everybody's doing their best to be cyber smart. They're taking the right measures uh, to protect the bank accounts, to protect emails, et cetera. They, they have been asking about insurance. You know, we have insurance against storms. We have insurance against accidents. But it seems to be really, really hard to find insurance to protect against these kinds of attacks. So why is that? Um. First of all, and I would want to just jump back to real quick, you made a great point on, you know, uh, you have all these preventative measures in place and you're proactive and your and your team is proactive and they're well-educated. And at the end of the day, uh, the reality is no no one is 100% secure. Um, the thing about hackers that's, that's uh, always keeps us on our toes is they're always finding ways and backdoors to get into systems or operation systems that um, that maybe want, that was not expected or prepared for or, or, or monitored, right? So with that being said, a good strategy and a good plan 
um, a resilient plan is, is having those measures in place. But if somebody does get through, then you're protected with an insurance program or policy that kind of addresses very specific aspects of, 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 of how you've been hacked or, or the losses that have incurred due to that, that hit. So uh, I can say this, and this is really good news, cyber insurance has become easier to get and, and it's becoming more cheaper because the reality is that the amount of competitors is starting to rise and, and the, the, the need for it and the understanding for it is, start, is growing and growing. So whereas before, and this has been an ongoing problem for, for a while now, uh, a lot of insurance carriers don't like to write insurance based on things they can't predict, you know, whether it's fire or flooding or, or, or hurricanes, all these risks are modeled and, and they're, they're, they're risk models so that insurance uh, underwriters and actuaries have a clear understanding of as, as best they can, the risk components of something happening. What's the likelihood something's going to happen here or in this territory or region, et cetera. The, the other side of the coin, where you're talking about cyber, you're talking about a dark intangible attack that is unpredictable, that is ever growing in the face of it changes constantly. But that being said, people, carriers, brokers, underwriters, um, the ones who are kind of leading the charge in this, in this field of insurance have really started to break down policies, understanding exactly what more of the vulnerabilities are. So now you can begin to stack policy coverages in a way that's very specific to your needs. A lot of carriers aren't doing this yet, but a lot of competitors are starting to get into the game and they're using quality insurance paper like Lloyd's of London. So you have A plus rated companies that are writing these coverages, but you're able to fine tune it specifically to your industry or to your exposed risk. In this case, super yacht uh, exposures and crew to operation systems and navigation. Um, so the, op the opportunities are starting to get bigger and bigger. It is becoming easier and cheaper, which is a great, two great aspects of it. So um, there, is a, there is a shift, to answer your question, a shift in this industry where that coverage is becoming available. Okay, good. So then I know you've been in insurance for a while, but how did you end up becoming so interested in the cyber aspect and having, uh, being able to apply that to yachts? Cyber for me is it's currently, and this is this is not me just saying this. You can find this just about on, on, on any Google search. Cyber exposures and threats are currently the biggest threat to businesses in the insurance landscape. Um, and the truth be told, there are not enough brokers that understand the coverages and how to protect those businesses against cyber attacks. You know, you have lots of generalist insurance brokers who you know uh, might know a little bit about cyber and most of it pertains to data breach, but it goes so much deeper in that. Uh, so for me personally, um, I grew up around the maritime industry, more so in the transportation and shipping. My parents both worked in, uh, out of the port of New Orleans um, uh, for, for years. And um, so I was always fascinated by watching ships go up and down the river. I've always been a big fan of maritime. Uh, but that being said, when I look at cyber insurance and, and what it lacks right now with people who are educated, wanting to share that value with their clients, for me, it's just a great opportunity to help a large number of people. And that's what has committed me to learn as much as possible and try to transfer that value to super yacht and maritime clients, because that's uh, right now, there's just not enough folks doing it. And for me, that's just, uh, it gets me really passionate about doing it. Mm-hmm. 
So a moment ago you were talking about how there is now an increasing um, increasing number of insurers getting into this market, and that's obviously good news for owners and for companies. Can you give a scenario or two for coverage for a yacht? For example, is there is there like a smart basic starting point that someone should examine in terms of what they would need for their yacht? I realize that there's no one size fits all when it comes to insurance and there's really no one size fits all for a lot of things in the world. But I think a few people outside of cyber experts really understand where to start in terms of getting this kind of coverage. That's a great question, Diane. And and you hit it. You also just uh, explained it well. There is no one size fits all, but there are certain aspects of the coverage form that pertains to most businesses or organizations. And, you know, when I look at Super Yacht and I really try to dissect what's important, there's a few that come up to the top of the list that I'd be happy to share. Um, one, the first and foremost, I would say, would be um, funds transfer fraud. So when you're looking at money that could be wired accidentally, and, um, you know, this happens more times than, than I can, I, I mean, I hear about this on a daily basis about how, uh, malware, for instance, will be um, will be allowed into a system, and it could be easily accessed. So, if somebody clicks on something, or, or, or um, you know, some type of third-party vendor to the yacht has a weakened Wi-Fi system, where somebody can get into the ship's system, and it, it can install a virus or malware, and that could lay dormant for three, six months, even, where you don't even know it's there. Uh, and, but what it's doing in the meantime is it's tracking conversations, it's tracking email, and alternatively, it is also creating accounts that look very similar to the email addresses and uh, content that you might see from a captain or from a chief executive officer or from an owner or crew member. Um, and suddenly what you're looking at is emails that are showing up that uh, look very similar to what you normally see from these folks. Uh, but it could be a situation where money is transferred uh, to a hacker's account instead of to a trusted account, and very quickly that money could be um, could be removed from an account. And from there, you know, the insurance coverage you can get on a fund transfer uh, fraud situation like that, the business, the owner itself, can be uh, protected and reimbursed for their loss. Uh, in fact, even these executive officers can be reimbursed if somehow their personal bank accounts were affected from a ship's uh, uh, hacking situation or, or threat attack. Um, and even as far as the clients, you know, the clients who may be the passengers or people on board uh, were tricked into sending money uh, in, some, in some shape, form, or fashion, they also can be reimbursed. So that's one of the top, uh, the top uh, attacks or, or, or types of examples that I can relate to that. Another one is ransomware. And this is uh, big uh, for a lot of reasons, um, just in, across organizations in general. But when you're talking about ransomware, when you're talking about a virus or something that can get in, that can lock up a system or even shut down a system to create system failure, then you have a, a, a laundry list of things that are suddenly can be a, a, a significant expense to, to the yacht. So you're talking about, okay, so a, a virus shuts down a system. Not only does it create potential physical harm, especially if the navigation system is involved or, or the operations of the ship, but then you're talking about, okay, what about kind of data breach? Who needs to be notified of this? What kind of cost am I looking at 
for business interruption. You know, if I if all of a sudden because of my system is down for two or three days, what is that expense for interrupting my business, my normal course of business, and then my reputational harm? You know, uh, as we know, a lot of times companies, organizations are very reluctant to release information that they've had a, a, a cyber attack because of the reputational harm that could occur. You know, how is their name going to look? How are they going to be viewed? Uh, are they going to be seen as an untrusted entity? Um, so business interruption, getting the system back online, all these things uh, carry, you know, six-figure, potentially seven-figure expense um, and, and just cost. So cyber policy is really set up to understand all the parties that, is, that are affected, how to reimburse those parties and get them back into operating order, notifying the folks who need to be notified because, you know, it's not just notifying the crew, it's notifying anybody that's associated with that crew, with third-party vendors, and um, with all that, you know, you want a comprehensive plan in place that's going to, you know, reimburse for those uh, unseen expenses. And right now, I think the average cyber attack on a business or organization rides at about $1.6 million. Wow. So it's significant. Oh, that just took my growing. breath away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that's, that's, that's an average. And, you know, really, it's, it, there's, there's a few factors there, and I kind of jumped to that number quick, but you really have to look at, okay, what are the expenses to get forensics experts in here to forensics experts, for those who might not be familiar, they're the, they're the professionals that come in and they determine, okay, what happened? How did the attack happen? Let's recover whatever destroyed data uh, was lost and then get the systems back online. Forensics experts run about $500 an hour. So mm. when you're wow. talking about that, notifying anybody who was involved, what kind of income are you losing in this, in this interim? Uh, all these things, uh, why it might not seem, you know, like this could all, it all starts to snowball. That's what I'm sorry, what I'm trying to say. And, and the reality is, you know, yes, you tried hard, you have a plan in place to prevent it, but in five minutes, you could have a system that's completely down. And if you have a large organization, all that can spread to your main systems, uh, uh, computers and platforms very quickly and shut down your business entity altogether. So um, it's, it's, it's a lot. To, I probably answered more, more than you wanted to hear on that. But I just want to kind of give some background on some of the top coverages there that I see with, um, with, with Super Yachts. No, that was great, actually. The the examples you gave are ones that I know have actually affected yachts. There was a one boat that was a, a charter yacht that had ransomware, and they had to end up canceling a charter because they couldn't get the computers freed, so to speak. And uh, another situation was a yacht where hackers got in and sat quietly in the background observing the conversations between the captain and outside individuals, the yacht manager, charter guests, things like that. And slowly but surely started to spook his email and and imitate his way of uh, his his way of writing his speaking essentially, and had a fraudulent bank account set up, had wire funds diverted to that. I mean, it was it was absolutely extraordinary, and everybody involved was flabbergasted as you know as I would have been. I probably would have fallen on the floor and passed out. <laughs> but you know, these are these are scenarios that absolutely have affected the yachting industry. So those were those were ideal. So real quick, we've got maybe about two minutes left. Um, you gave some really good examples of, of what can be covered, but is there anything that isn't yet covered that owners and people in the industry should know about? I think what you want to know about, 
uh, when you, if you're approaching this as an owner or someone who is, uh, is really interested in, in finding an insurance package that works for them, working with somebody who, 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 who has a, a really smart understanding of the different coverages is one thing. Working with somebody who has access to markets and, and works with actuaries and underwriters um, that can really evolve uh, over time is also crucial. So, to, you know, that's a really hard question because the landscape of cyber is going to continue to grow and the threat threat aspect of it is going to continue to grow. So what's what's might be sufficient coverage today might not be sufficient coverage in July, you know. So what we're looking at is you want to know somebody, you know, right now, a lot of cyber policies that I read through from different carriers Yes, there's some cyber, there's some, and I, I, I do air quotes for some cyber coverage that might be included on a policy, but typically it's very limited and more so, one thing I really want to point out to your listeners, it's, it's some, a lot of times attached to it or a number of conditions. So if you have a policy cover, that, that the coverages have um, risk management conditions, whereas you know they might have coverage for fund transfer fraud However, that coverage might be excluded if you don't have a multi-factor uh, authentication system in place where more than one person signing off on it, or there's a you know, two-step procedure to wiring money or transferring money. So really, I would say pay attention to uh, any, any coverages that might have conditions. And the best way to really understand that is to work with somebody who knows what they're looking at. And then also working with a carrier or broker that can quickly break that down for you and say, you know what, here is what these coverage gaps are. And then to answer your question further, you know, a company that is that is willing to um, grow as the risks grow. And there are ones out there that where they look at these policies and say, you know what, these coverages are great, but we have to continue pushing the envelope on what is going to come down the, down the pipe. How are we going to react to this? How can we include this in certain clauses of what coverage already exists? And if it doesn't exist, let's have the conversation to grow that. And then, believe it or not, there are people out there. It might not seem common across the industry, but there are carriers and there are actuaries who really are willing to talk with me and brokers about expanding that thought process and how to gain better coverage access. Um, so it's out there, and it's just it's just a matter of having to dig a little bit. But my, the best mm-hmm. advice I can give is talk to somebody who knows what they're looking at, because it can get confused and know what coverage is really there, and does it is, is it conditional on certain criteria? Right, right. Joe, this has been really eye-opening. Thanks for coming on the podcast and and sharing your insight into really such a crucial matter that's affecting so many people these days. If if someone wants to learn more. Uh, whether they're an owner, whether they're actually an insurance specialist, uh, someone on the owner's team, um, or even a professional in the yachting industry, how is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Thank you so much. First of all, Diane, it's been a pleasure to be with you. I really appreciate you having me on and giving me an opportunity to share what I find. And really, this is, uh, you know, I'm I'm reluctant. I'm always going to be reluctant to say that anybody's a cyber expert, because as we know, this is an evolving uh, uh, just uh, a beast of a of a new threat in our lives. Uh, but with that being said, thank you for having me on and allowing me the opportunity to share this. Um, I, initially, or, or as I would say in general, I, I do a lot of my conversations and connections via Twitter, which is at Joe Hollier Insurance. I'm sorry, at Joe Hollier INS. 
uh, on Twitter. However, I would like to uh, share in the next couple of days here, I'm just about finished with it, but I am going to be putting up a site. It's going to be Super Yacht Cyber Guide, G-U-I-D-E.com. And really, it's just a platform to connect. So if you want to get additional information, if you want to kind of uh, read through some of the content that I work on, um, get more information on insurance, get more information on things that I see about putting a strategy together. It's really just kind of a, a map to help uh, to share understanding as much as I can provide that. So superyachtcyberguide.com will be up uh, probably about the time this airs. <laughs> um, perfect. But, uh, perfect. But that's, that's the best place to find me. Okay, good. Well, thanks again, Joe. We really appreciate it. And uh you know, in the coming months, maybe we'll have you back on when there's uh, some more developments going on. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Diane. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate being here. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Everyone, this wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. For more on what's going on in the world of yacht ownership, design, construction, and more, you can visit our daily updated website, which is MegaYachtNews.com. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne. 